Amen. Let's go ahead and grab a, a hymnal this morning. We're going to get right into uh, uh, our our first two hymns this morning. Again, like I just mentioned, we can uh, you can uh, let's stand for the first one, and then you can remain seated for the second one. So let's open the hymnal up to page three three five. Showers of blessings, and uh, stand as we sing all four this morning. There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing sent from the Savior above. Stand as we sing this morning.
Antonio down just a little bit, baby girl. What a blessing. Brother Kel, if you will, go ahead and open us in prayer this morning, please, sir. Amen, amen. Well, praise the Lord. Welcome, everyone. It is a blessing and honor uh, to be back in the house of the Lord. It's great to be back here, back home. I uh, do want to thank everyone involved in uh, running things as, uh, as we were away, and uh, very thankful for that. Bless in my heart. I tell you, uh, everyone has been, uh, been on, on point, and it's been a blessing to us. I'll have more to say about that uh, and a praise this morning. But again, I want to welcome everyone to our morning service, guys. And I uh, thank for those who are following along online this morning who cannot be with us. But I do invite you in here live. Come in person if you are watching us today. Love to have you here if you are local. We are looking forward to a good service today, this, uh, guys. We're looking forward to being together. We'll be together about an hour this morning and have a time of fellowship after that. Uh, we've already sang two hymns today. We're going to sing some more songs here uh, via the screen here in just a little while. And uh, so looking forward to that. You guys sing out loud this morning. Any questions about our church here in the Cunningham Valley or the Cardiff uh, campus, please let me know. Get in touch with me. Uh, real quick, guys, uh, praise report. Some good thing that the Lord did for the past week, last week or the week before. Go ahead and give us a praise. That's an answered prayer. That's a big praise report. Amen. Praise the Lord, sister. Uh, anybody else? Praise reports this morning. I have one here in a moment. I think, Bailey, you said you had one. Was it here or down in Carl? Amen. Amen. Did y'all hear that? Um, Preston prayed for clarity on the call on Wednesday. And uh, on the back side of that, I have a praise report. Um, tremendous praise report. Uh, not only those involved, everyone else who helped out. Uh, as Brother Andy uh, did the lesson the, the first Wednesday we were away. Uh, got great feedback off of that. Uh, everybody who was here for both services or, or services while we were away, we thank you for that. Uh, but I, I, I want to just send a, a quick praise. Um, well, Two praises. First, those of you who don't know, the, I guess the day it turned as cold as it was that during the entire two weeks, our thermostat went out at the house. Bailey had no heat. Uh, ring press, uh, ring uh, Kelton up, and, or I messaged him, and he was able to go over there and get that sorted. So she had, uh, she had heat, which was nice. She was having a flashback from when she was a child. And, uh, you know, she, she had, when she got heat in her bedroom, she was pretty happy about that, and she decided to tell everyone. I have heat now. I was like, Bailey, thank you. So, uh, but anyway, um, I will say this, uh, you know, first off, we came back, house is immaculate. Bailey did a tremendous job there. Uh, when you're away as a pastor, it's, it's one of the most nerve wracking things uh, of all. It just is. And um, so when I got the message, you guys got hit with snow on the Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. Uh, of course, we, we were, at that time, we were six hours behind you guys. And, um, and so when I got the message, this is the message I saw. Here, first off, I never got a message that said, Dad, the roads are a mess. What do I do? Uh, I never got any of what I What I saw was the group message. Uh, apparently, Bailey and Kelton had been in contact with one another. Bailey said, guys, this is what we're going to do. She made a decision on her own. And for me, that was tremendous. I, I was very, very pleased with that. Uh, you guys had the, the WhatsApp call on the Wednesday night, the answer prayers Bailey had already said uh, for, uh, for, clair uh, for clarity with Brother Kelton and, uh, during the prayer meeting. It was a, a wonderful blessing to me, and it was great to see that things could continue on smoothly and, and, and beautifully uh, with us being away. So with that said, we're going to go away for another, I'm just kidding, amen, uh, but it was a blessing. What a, what a blessing to me, so praise God for that. 
Um, you know, you never know how technology is going to work. Any other praise reports this morning? I'd just like to share a word of what the Lord did in the last week. And uh, anyone else? Anyone? Anyone? Go once. Carol. Can we see those stories? No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. All right. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Other praise reports. All right. Well, thank God for all of those guys. And surely I know the Lord's blessed us in ways that, as far as our trip goes, trip was, was wonderful. No hiccups on the planes um, necessarily. Uh, I will tell you this, the very final leg, they had booked us um, in separate seats, um, which I got to be honest, I don't want to be on a plane for nine hours without being next to my wife. Um, and I just, and full plane, full, it was fully, fully booked. Uh, they had already told me they didn't think there was much wiggle room, but that was another airline. This was, anyway, long story short, we got to the gate in Atlanta, and uh, I, I went up and talked to the lady, and, and I could tell the look on her face. She's like, I, man, I don't see where I can do anything, you know. She goes, I don't think I can help you out. Um, and I said, well, ma'am, I said, if there's anything you can do, I'd appreciate it. I really don't want to be on this long of a flight away from my wife, to be honest with you. And uh, she says, well, you, you, didn't, you didn't receive this from me. I'm sorry, sir, I can't help you. When she, and she gave me the tickets. She had moved us <laughs> into, into being next to one another, but it was, had to be on the down low. And uh, so that was, a, that was an answer prayer as well. And, uh, but I do appreciate everyone's prayer while we were gone and everything that everyone did to make things run smoothly. Just a couple announcements this morning, guys. Um, Q&A Bible study. Again, please submit your questions. It's been a couple of weeks. So you probably ha should have enough questions or plenty of questions. Please submit those to me by email if you can. And, uh, and if you run into a problem with the email, guys, message me. It's, it's on WhatsApp, whatever's easiest. And uh, we'll address those questions Wednesday night. So Wednesday night, guys, we have our midweek service, 6.30 p.m. And uh, one good thing with you guys getting snowed, out, snowed under last week, uh, I'm going to conduct the service this Wednesday, but pr Brother Kelton's going to preach his message that he was going to preach this past Wednesday, and I'm looking forward to that. He had told me the, the text and the topic uh, before we went away, and uh, I was pretty excited to hear it. So this coming Wednesday night, let's be in our place at 6.30, guys. I want to, I want to build our midweek service, okay? Guys, we, you know, we eat three times a day minimum, and uh, you know, we need to feed on the Word uh, more than just once a week, more than just Sunday morning. So let's be in our place Wednesday night, 6.30 for our midweek service. And uh, so we can have a good fellowship together, prayer time together, and uh, feed upon the Word of God. Uh, revival prayer meeting this coming Friday, 9.30 in the morning via WhatsApp. We'll be uh, together with that. Looking forward to that meeting one with another. Uh, be in prayer tonight for our Calvary campus, if you will. We'll greatly appreciate that. Our Carter campus, sorry. And uh, 1755 tonight we'll be meeting. Uh, looking forward to being together with one another. Uh, this coming evening time. This Saturday, guys, we have our March Faith Rx meeting. Uh, this is 11 o'clock on the 18th of Saturday. Topic this, this week is going to be shadow casting versus shadow boxing. And uh, it's coming out of 1 Corinthians. And if you, if you don't, Paul said that he doesn't want to be one that beateth the air, okay? And uh, so we're going to touch on that this coming Saturday at our Faith Rx meeting. All are invited. Workouts are all inclusive. Love to have you together. Then we'll have a time of of preaching afterwards. Again, catch up on your sermon audio, on, on your sermons and your lessons on our Church One app. Uh, and so we're looking forward uh, again to the rest of the service. And so anyway, guys, let's go ahead and stand for our next song here in just a moment. We're going to uh, sing House of the Lord. And then after that, Amazing Grace, my chains fell off. Then remain standing, if you will, for our uh, reading this morning. So, okay. So here we go, guys. Go ahead and stand. 
open our Bibles up to Hebrews. Remain standing if you will this morning. Hebrews in chapter 4 for our reading this morning if you will. Hebrews in chapter 4 is where we'll be. It will be our text for this morning as we get into the sermon here in just a little while. Hebrews in chapter 4 looking with me in the last three verses of the chapter verses 14 through 16. The Bible says seeing then that we are we have a great high priest that is passed into heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Surely the reading of the Word of God be a blessing to your heart and mind this morning. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing this morning in the the songs, our hymns to start out with, and our songs to follow, preparing our heart for worship this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Dav if he'll come this morning. It's that time, guys, we come to give back unto the Lord as he has graciously given unto us. And after Brother Dav blesses the tithe and offering this morning, uh, he'll collect, and then we'll have our offertory song playing, Come Thou Fount. Brother Dav. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the opportunity, Father God, to give you name, Lord. Please bless the tithe. Please bless the offering, Father. Please enlighten the BJ now with your, your word, Father. They have given us a text this morning, Father. They open our hearts, please, for us to open our receptive minds, Father. We may absorb your word and understand your word, we pray for you, Father. 
completely with us and be a guiding force for us through the week, Lord. So please bless Peter now as he brings your message. Father, humble him to preach your word, I pray, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my brother. thou fount. What a blessing. Really and truly one of my favorite, favorite hymns. Uh, guys, it is a blessing to be in the house of the Lord today, and I take it not for granted at all, and it's a blessing to be with one another and on this Sunday morning. And uh, I want to bring a thought today to you guys, kind of a review almost of what we've looked at um, really this entire year as we established our our theme. And I, guys, I hope and pray that this theme means as much, if not just a large portion to you, as much as it does me. Uh, because we are living a life today that is building a legacy of tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't even know if tomorrow's going to come. The Lord could come back today and praise God if He did. If He took us out of here, that would be a blessing. But beloved, if he doesn't, if he waits and tarries another decade to two or three decades or whatever it may be, you today are living your Christian life as a legacy of whom you're, of how you're going to leave it tomorrow to those who follow you, those who come behind you. And it is vitally, vitally important 
And today's message, again, is almost a culmination by way of introduction, is almost a culmination of uh, a review of what we've heard, but then looking at how and why we have the power and the ability to leave a legacy uh, on this earth, uh, living a life worth leaving to others, if you will. And so I want to bring this thought this morning that comes out of our text verse, and we will get into Hebrews 4 here in just a little while, the feeling of our infirmities, the feeling of our infirmities. Beloved, when we begin to unveil the centerpiece of Christ's heart, as we've talked about for many weeks now, we find an element, I believe, and I believe you do as well, that's second to none. And again, I mentioned this to you, and C.H. Spurgeon is the one that pointed this out. Out of the 89 chapters in the gospel that depicts the, the, the life of Jesus Christ, the birth of Jesus Christ, the immaculate conception of Jesus Christ, uh, his ministry, uh, his unjust arrest, his betrayal, his scourging, his, his death, his resurrection, his ascending on all the things that he did, out of those 89 chapters, there's only one verse found where the sweetest words to ever cross human lips are found, and that's Matthew 11, verses 29, where he says there, that Christ says himself, for I, speaking of himself, he reveals his heart, I am meek and lowly in heart. And this is the very core of our Savior's heart. He who walked this earth for 33 and a half years, perfect years, I should say, he lived and functioned in the earth as the God-man for 12,600 days, based upon a biblical year of 360 days. And he lived on this earth, and the Bible tells us that, uh, speaking of Jesus Christ, who went about doing good, for God was with him. Uh, guys, the greatest example for our life on this earth is found in the years in which Jesus himself walked this very soil. It, it is an emphasis, that again, that we focus this entire year and look into Jesus during his ministerial years on the earth and how he lived his life and how he went around from uh, villages and towns and cities and countries preaching the gospel, how Jesus was moved with compassion and how Jesus wept over unbelievers and, and how Jesus called people to take upon his yoke. And, and, and that yoke, as we mentioned, was easy, which is a, uh, translated in other places as the word kind. His burden is light because he's in the yoke with us. His yoke is a yoke of kindness, my friend. Simply put, Jesus Christ was kind. And beloved, if you took one trait of who and what Jesus Christ is and applied it into your heart, into your life, kindness would be the greatest one that you could apply. Cost absolutely zero to be kind, and yet the dividends are out of this world. I want you to think about that shadow that you're casting, that shadow that you're leaving, that life that you're leaving to others. Is it a shadow of kindness? Is it a shadow that is a, attractive? Is it a shadow that's being cast into the hearts and the minds of people that are, are coming behind you that they want to duplicate? Or is it a shadow that they look at and said, I want to avoid? Jesus Christ set the example of what a Christian is to be while it's living on this earth. Again, I refer back to Acts chapter 11, and I know I do quite often. But the Bible says that when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch. This is speaking of Barnabas going to get Saul. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples, the Bible tells us, and the disciples were called Christian first in Antioch. Again, just by way of review, guys, what do you suppose that they taught that church? I mean, at this point in time, Paul had already received the revelation of Christ. He already received the revelation from Christ and uh, he was well aware of the Jew and Gentile being saved by grace through faith. He was well versed in the dispensations. He was well knowledgeable to the pre-tribulational rapture. He'd already written a letter uh, to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, and then a follow-up letter uh, depicting the pre-tribulational rapture. But, but it, it was those things from outside, it was those people from outside of the camp that looked at these disciples, these members of this church, and referred to them as Christians. And the reason being is because they, they lived as Jesus did. Who went about doing good. Amen. For God was with them. They lived a godly life. Beloved, they were kind before they witnessed the gospel. And gave their testimony of salvation. And the great work that Jesus performed uh, in his death, burial, and resurrection. They were simply kind to people first. May I say this to you this morning, guys. And we'll get into the meat of the message the power of the cross was seated 
and the kindness of Christ. I'll say that again to you. The power of the cross was seated in the kindness of Christ. Now, I haven't addressed all of this, guys. As Christ today is sat at the right hand of the throne of God. We know we've, we've been looking at his life and we've used multiple events uh, since January, the first Sunday of January this year, of what Christ did on the earth and how he lived. But yet today he is sat at the right hand of the throne of God, the right hand of the throne of the Father. Where do we go from here? Knock me down just about one, baby. Another verse expands... Uh, uh, on the ascended Savior's heart. It's just we see Jesus depicting and tell us what his heart is in Matthew eleven twenty nine. There's another picture that we see of the ascended Savior's heart. As, as much as the heart of a God-man can be on this earth, we find access and attribution, if you will, into our life and the one who has sat today at the Father's right hand, right hand on the throne of God. And we read it in our text verses this morning in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, Verses 4 through 16. We're going to look at one verse this morning, but before we get into that, we're going to do a, a little bit of introspection on these verses. Verse 14 says, See, and then we have a, a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The broader context of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it's worth keeping before us today. It's worth us stepping back slightly and, and looking at the fuller passage as, as it goes like this. In verses 14 and 16, they contain two exhortations. In verse 14, we find, uh, we find fidelity in the doctrine about God. Let us hold fast our profession. And then in verse 16, we find confidence in communion with God. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. This is what is important about those two verses, because our text verse is sandwiched in between those, and here's why. Look at the word for in verse 15 with me this morning. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So in between the fidelity in the, in, in the doctrine about God and the confidence in communion with God, we find this word for, okay, this word for, opening up, signifying this verse is ground to verse 14. And then we find in the, in the, verse, in the verse 16, let us therefore, okay, therefore, at the beginning of verse 16, which again grounds verse 16 to verse 15 as well. So verse 15 is grounded to both 14 and 16. In other words, verse 15 is the anchor of the passage to the surrounding verses, drawing out its vital and life-given implications. The burden of the anchor verse is Jesus Christ's sheer solidarity with his people. All of our natural intuitions tell us that Jesus is with us. All of our natural, uh, natural uh, thoughts and our natural abilities, if you will, tells us that Jesus is on our side, that Jesus is helping, that Jesus is present with us. Pay attention to the next few words. When life is going well. See, naturally speaking, as a child of God today, when things are, are hitting in all cylinders and we have a 30-minute praise time and, and we're saying praise God for this and praise God for that, our natural intuitions say Jesus is with us, isn't it? I mean, think about it like this. We'll leave church here this morning. How many times on a Sunday morning have you left and you got into your vehicle and, you got all, and, and things are just, man, you're just excited about what happened at church? And, and you just you enjoyed the, the song services, the, the, the preaching service, the time of fellowship in the back. And, and man, you just say, man, praise God. The, the Lord's sure blessed on Sunday. We do it, don't we? It's natural. Great crowd, good spirits are lifted, and things just go smoothly. It's normal and it's natural to do such a thing. And it's even understandable. However, it's not accurate. 
I under, we understand what, man, God showed up today, didn't he? I mean, when the sermon's on point, when the songs are on point, when fellowship's on point, when everything just goes well, we just say, whoo, God was with us today. It's not a rebuke, guys, but more of a realization and a recognition, if you will, of our natural human demeanors. But what does it mean for us today? Beloved, it means that he knows where you are today. I mean, he knows where I am today. I mean, the reality is, is that verse 15 teaches us the very opposite. Because the Bible says, our infirmities. Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And it's more than sympathy. While it's at the same time, it actually enables Jesus to sympathize with us. It's more than sympathy. Sympathy is not the word that that the Holy Spirit of God chose for Hebrews 4.15. It is the feeling of our infirmities. The feeling, not the sympathy, not the empathy, but the feeling. It's a deeper than common empathy. It's deeper than common sympathy. The words touch with the feeling means that he is co-joined to our infirmities, with our suffering, if you will. Meaning that Jesus does not not have some cold, detached pity, but rather a deep, heartfelt solidarity such as echoed in our own lives, much like a parent and their children. Parents hurt for their children, don't they? Parents hurt with their children, don't they? When others hurt their children or lash out at them, it cuts like a knife into the heart of that parent. It does. And yet with Jesus, it's even deeper. Beloved, our Lord and Savior, who went about doing good, who is the epitome of kindness, is touched with the feeling of our pain. The feeling of our pain. Notice here in the verse, it says, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Our pain, Jesus is pained with. Our suffering, he suffers alongside of us. Even though, uh, even though, even though he, he, he doesn't do anything to receive it, uh, even though it may not be his own, he suffers alongside of us because we are his own. It does not mean that His invincible divinity, I read that word in a book the other day relating to this verse, and I I like those two words. His invincible divinity, I said, I'm going to use that, amen. It does not mean that his invincible divinity is threatened, but in the same sense, his heart, this heart, which is meek and lowly, is drawn into our distress, pulled, if you will, to mine in your distress. One can say that his human nature engages our troubles comprehensively. He, his is a love that cannot be held back when he sees his people in pain. The Bible tells us, grieve not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, the Son of God, the Father, uh, all of those are one. That's, that's, that's the Trinity, the triune God. And therefore, when the bride, which is the church of God, every saved individual in the world, on the planet today, when the bride hurts, the bridegroom experiences the pain alongside her. That word grieve means to hurt, to distress, or to injure. One of the worst things in my life to ever experience is to have to see my wife cry. And I'm just a failed man. I'm just a human. I didn't die for my wife although I would. I didn't step off the uh, realm of eternity and take off the robes of royalty and put on the robe of flesh and live a 33 and a half perfect year as Jesus Christ did to die on the, uh, the cross in the manner that he did for the people that he loves. I didn't do that. And yet when I see tears in my wife's heart, it cuts into my heart, into my soul, greater than anything that I can imagine. When my children are hurt, when they're disappointed, when their heart hurts, it breaks me. It just breaks me to the core. So understand today, our Savior, our Lord, who has sat at the right hand of the throne of the Father, is touched with the feeling of our pain. He's touched to the heart with our pain today. Secondly, our Lord... Savior, who went about doing good, who is the epitome of kindness, is touched with the the feeling of our problems, of our problems. 
Now, before some of you begin to writing notes and come, going to come to me after the service, guys, this does not mean the Lord is moved by our problems. It doesn't mean that he's caught off guard or even perplexed. What it does mean is exactly what I said. He's touched by our problems. He understands them. He cares about them. Look at the next part of the verse. But was in all points tempted like as we are. When Paul writes the book of Hebrews, he, he takes us by the hand, if you will, and he leads us deeper into the heart of Jesus Christ, showing us the unrestrained connection, the presence, the overall witness, if you will, of Jesus regarding his people. More along the line, his withness, because he is with us. In chapter 2, the writer of Hebrews, if you will, the, the, the apostle Paul, Chapter 2, verse 9 says that he was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with the glory and honor that he, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Later on in the chapter, in chapter 2, verse 18, Paul writes, For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. What does this mean for us? Again, I, I mentioned this earlier. He means he knows where you are today. He knows what you're going through. He understands what you're, you're going through. And the greatest part of it all, he's with you all the way. Through all the pain, through all the problems, Jesus is there. He is with you. Not just in the times of blessedness and happiness and joy, but in the days of gloom and doom. And when we just cannot see our way out of the fog, our God, our Savior, our Lord, who is sat at the right hand of the throne of God today, is with us. The Lord Jesus Christ is there, and don't you let anyone lie to you saying he's not. Our Lord and Savior, who went about doing good, who is the epitome of kindness, is not only touched with our pain and with our problems, but he's also touched with the feeling of our path. The realness of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 is what we are told about why Jesus is so close with his people in their pain. He's been tempted as we are. Not only tempted, but in all points as we are. The real Jesus is in such close solidarity with us. It's in this difficult path that we are on. It's not unique to us, and it's not unique to him. Sometimes, guys, we can feel like we're on an island. We can sit back and feel as if no one cares and no one understands and that no one can feel our pain. And, and, and we begin to have a pity party and we begin to say, woe is me. And, and we begin to look at those who maybe not, aren't reaching out to help or something. And, and we look at those things and all of a sudden it's, we don't realize that none of that is true. None of it. He's journeyed the path himself. You see, the race that we are on, as we find in Hebrews chapter 12, <laughs> is a race that he's already completed. For he is the author and the finisher of this race. He's journeyed it himself. It's not as if Jesus cannot relieve us from our problems either. It's not as if Jesus cannot relieve us of our pain, just like a physician prescribing medication. But before any relief comes, we need to understand that he is with us in our pain. He is with us in our problems. And guys, he's with us on this path because he's the physician that's already endured the disease. Can I say this to you this morning, guys, as we begin to wrap down? You know who Jesus Christ is not? He's not Zeus. He's not a created God in the eyes and images of mankind. He is who he is and always has been and always will be. Bible tells us that he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He was a sinless man, not a sinless superman. His life on this earth was much like ours. Can I say this to you real quick, guys? And, and again, we will start working down toward the close of the message. You know, things that we don't think about while Jesus lived on this earth. You know, I would imagine that when Jesus Christ woke up in the morning. Now, Brother Kel and I don't have this problem, but he, Jesus did. 
when he woke up in the morning, you know, his hair was probably going everywhere but loose. He probably looked like, I mean, I bet his hair was, we call it bedhead. He had a bedhead. I bet one side it was flat, the other side it was sticking this way. Why? Because he had human hair, did he not? I wonder sometimes, and guys, this is not being disrespectful, but I wonder if since he was tempted in all points like as we are, and he experienced everything that a man would, I wonder about the age of 13 if he had pimples. You know, and you say, that's just, that's just silly. Guys, he wasn't the poster boy of beauty. You understand that today. He wasn't this image of some of these fruity little artists decide to make him out to be. Isaiah chapter 53 tells us in verse 2, he, had, he, uh, he hath no form nor comeliness. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should be, that we should desire him. There was nothing physically attractive about Jesus Christ, on, Jesus on this earth. And yet people were still drawn to him in droves. Not because of his looks, but rather his actions, his deeds, his attitude. How about that? Nobody's, nobody's drawn to a sour attitude. No one's drawn to a, you know, nastiness, do you understand? But rather repelled. Can I say this to you guys? He, he came as a normal man to normal men. That was our God. That was our, that's our Lord who today is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, who understands. He understands what it's like to be thirsty. He understands what it's like to be hungry, to be despised, rejected, scorned, shamed, ridiculed, forsaken, misunderstood, falsely accused, beaten, tortured, killed. Uh, guys, listen, he knows what it's like to be lonely, to feel isolated, to be on an island. And on top of all of this, his friends abandoned him when he needed them the most. Only John stood there with him at the door. Only John was at the cross alongside his mother and the other Mary. Paul understood this about the Lord. Paul knew this in his life and ministry. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 through 17, Paul writes this, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Verse 17, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Now, this is not a message today to tell you that you don't need other people. This is not a message today to tell you that you don't need fellowship in the assembly together one with another. It's not a, a message that tells you that, hey guys, go out and be in an island all by yourself and it all will be good. When isolation brings depression and darkness and, and despair into your life, that's the reality. But at the end of the day, you need to know this morning that Jesus Christ is tempted and touched by every single thing that you've gone through and 10,000 billion times more. And he's with you today. The key to understanding the significance of Hebrews 4.15 is to push equally as hard at these two phrases. You underscore these in your Bible. In all points, yet without sin. You need to push those two phrases in your scriptures. You should highlight them. You should circle them. You should mark them in your Bible this morning. And if you want to understand the grave significance of that verse, chapter 4, verse 15, those are the two parts of the scripture that you need to understand. All of our infirmities, all of our life is tainted with sin. Guys, if sin was the color orange, it's not that we do, we don't, we do not occasionally say or say something orange, but all that we say, all that we do, all that we think has been tainted the color orange. That's just an example. We are sinners by nature. Not so with Jesus. All points, yet without sin. He had no sin. He was, as Hebrews chapter 7, 26 and 27 tells us, for such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily, as those high priests who offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, speaking of the Old Testament priests, and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. You need to ponder the phrase in all points. In a way which maintains Jesus' sinless 
without diluting the glorious weight of the statement holds. In all points is anchored, yet without sin. You see, the enticing temptation, the sore trial, he has been there. Indeed, his, his utter purity suggests that he has felt these pains more accurately than we as sinners ever could. He experienced pain like no other, for it was the pain of the entire world, past, present, and future. He has experienced problems like no other, for it was the problems of the entire world, past, present, and future. He has experienced the path like none other, for it is the path of the entire world, past, present, and yet future. So, beloved, consider your own life this morning. Consider of what you experience on a hourly, daily, weekly, monthly basis. When the relationship goes south, when the feelings of worthlessness flood your mind, when the days seem more darker than day, oftentimes, guys, we can feel as if life is simply passing us by. When it, when it seems as if our significance has fallen by the wayside and our emotions are getting the best of us, when we are let down by long-term friends, or forsaken by family members. When the fallenness of the world closes in on us and makes us want to just throw in the towel, it's at this place. Is it in the midst of this pain and in the middle of these problems along this path, right here, where we must look up See the friend at the end of the race, the one who knows exactly what we feel. The one who with open arms invites us in for comfort and understanding. For he is with us in the path. Through every problem and in the midst of every pain, Jesus Christ is simply saying to you today, listen carefully, he is saying, I've been there before. I'm here with you now. Let's get through this together. Will you bow your heads this morning? Father in heaven, I thank you, dear Lord, for all that you've done and for who and what you are. I pray now that you bless this time of, of thought, that we would look deep inside of our own hearts and lives at where we are and who you are. And dear Lord, as we have looked at the life of our Lord and Savior while it's on this earth, let us now look toward the heavens. Let us now look at the end of the race where the author and finisher of our faith is sat at the right hand of the throne of God, who is a high priest, who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, who can understand fully and faithfully what it's like when we experience pain and problems along the path that we are on in this world called life and this time that you've given us. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen and amen. I hope and pray that the Lord was good to you in the teaching and preaching of his word this morning. Do pray today. If you're here this morning and you're dealing with any problems, any issues, any struggles today, that you would take this time here. We're going to sing a closing hymn here in just a moment, and we're going to be singing I Surrender All. And I want you to look at the words of I Surrender All as we sing that thing. And if the Lord moves upon your heart to take this time in prayer, you take the time in prayer. You bow your hearts, take a knee at your pew today, you come down here to the big seat, whatever you want to do today, whatever the Lord has led you to do this morning. In this time of prayer, you take it. We'll have the invitation. We'll sing the hymn. Feel free to sing alongside. But if the Lord has spoken to your heart this morning about being touched with the feeling of our infirmities, you take that opportunity. Forsake it not and seek him. In our hymnals this morning, Psalm 153, I surrender all. Stand as we sing this morning. We'll sing the entire entirety of the hymn. 153, sing all four. All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give.
a blessing, guys. And just closing announcements before we dismiss into our time of fellowship. I do want to thank you for being here this morning. Again, as a reminder, our Q&A service, guys, remember that, our Q&A time. Just submit your questions, if you will, to me uh, between now and Wednesday, uh, preferably about midday Wednesday, if you could. And uh, we'll have a Q&A session just before um, our service uh, going into on Wednesday night. And remember, Wednesday night, going back into our midweek services, uh, it'll be 6.30, 6.30, 18.30, if you will. And uh, guys, again, we're trying to build our midweek service. It's one of the reasons why we're having the time uh, that it is as well, uh, to make it a little more convenient. Daylight is getting a little bit longer. And uh, so let's be in our place on Wednesday night at 6.30, being together uh, for our midweek service, our time of uh, fellowship and teaching and preaching the Word of God. Revival prayer meeting this Friday, 9.30 in the morning on WhatsApp. We'll send the call out straight up 9.30 via WhatsApp. Be in prayer tonight for our Cardiff campus as we meet together this evening. 1755. Greatly appreciate your prayers. Uh, ladies' devotion, 25th of March. 25th of March. And uh, get with Denise on that time. I think I've messed the time up a couple of times. I don't know if it's 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Um, so let's confirm that with her, okay? But that'll be the ladies' devotion on the Saturday. And she got you guys a nice little craft to work together. Uh, I know your Daisy's going to sure enjoy it, but uh, she got that in. So you guys will enjoy that time of, if possible. But anyway, I won't say anything. I don't know if that was a surprise or not. Maybe it was. And uh, anyway, uh, Church One App, guys, if you haven't got it on your mobile device yet, get it on there, catch up. Offering, if you're unable to give this morning during offertory time, we have contactless in the back at the table there. Make sure you give as God has graciously given unto you. Thank you so much for being with us this morning, guys. I hope and pray God has touched you and given you what you need today. And uh, we're looking forward to time of fellowship and back. Brother Andy, if you will, be so kind, dismiss us in prayer. Amen. Praise the Lord. You're dismissed. Which, uh, is it George's birthday? Amen. Happy birthday, George. We'll sing it to you in the back. Amen. <laughs>